Did not speak, you made no sound. You died for your accusers. Go ahead and go to the bridge. You're my author, my maker, my ransom, my savior, my refuge, my hiding place. You're my helper, my healer. My blessed Redeemer, my answer, my saving grace. You're my hope in the battle, my strength in the battle, my anchor for all my days. Same kind. Jesus Christ is Lord. Thank you, Father. Father of mercies. We can be here another moment. Lord, we consider the fierce wrath that we deserve. Lord, you have been abundantly kind. Your salvation has radically saved us. Lord, we were, like the rest, going our own way, animated by the prince of darkness, desiring sin and the pleasures of this world rather than you. And yet you took our punishment. And not only erased the debt, but made us dearly loved children, clothed in the righteousness of Christ. And so, Lord, we are forever grateful. Just remind us of that, Lord, please, every moment today, by your spirit. And fill us and lead us, in Jesus' name, amen. Please stand. King of glory that pursues me with his love and haunts me with the cheering of his softly spoken words. My conscience a reminder of forgiveness that I need. Who is this King of glory who offers it to me? Who is this King of angels? Oh, blessed Prince of Peace. 
revealing things of heaven and all its mysteries. My spirit's ever longing for his grace in which to stand. Who is this king of glory? Son of God and Son of Man. His name is Jesus, precious Jesus, the Lord Almighty, King of my heart, King of glory. Who is this King of glory with strength and majesty and wisdom beyond measure, the gracious King of kings, the Lord of earth and heaven, the creator of all things. King of glory, he's everything to me. His name, his name is Jesus, precious Jesus, the Lord Almighty, King of my heart, King of glory the Lord, the Lord of earth and heaven, creator of all things, he is the king of glory, he's everything to me, his name is Jesus. The Lord Almighty, King of my heart, King of glory, His name is Jesus, precious Jesus, the Lord Almighty, King of my heart, King Lord, the Lord Almighty, King of my heart, King of glory. One more time, Lord Almighty, the Lord Almighty, King of my heart, King of glory. Son of man 
stories of a savior holiness with human hands treasure for the trader no ear has heard no eye has seen the image of the father till heaven came to live with me a rescue like no other yes you are worthy you are worthy of your name you are worthy you are worthy of your name jesus you did not speak you made no sound you died for your accusers and as your blood fell to the ground you redefine my future yeah on the day that you arose the darkness ran for cover for the king of kings has claimed his throne now until forever you are worthy you are worthy of your name you are worthy yes you are you are worthy of your name You're my author. You're my author, my maker, my ransom, my savior, my refuge, my hiding place. You're my helper, my healer, my blessed redeemer, my answer, my saving grace. You're my hope in the shadows, my strength in the battle, my anchor for all my days. And you stand by my side, you stood in my place, Jesus, no other name, only Jesus, no other name.
Sing that chorus one last time. You are worthy. You are worthy of your name. You are worthy. Yes, you are. You are worthy of your name. Jesus. Bless your name, Lord. You are worthy. You are glorious and kind. We marvel at your grace, amazed that you would love us. We know that we do not deserve it. But, oh, you've proved your love. Truly, you are kind. Father, we pray that in this time together, your Holy Spirit would work in our hearts to accomplish your purpose, that we might know you better, love you more, and be increasingly conformed to the likeness of Jesus Christ. You know everything about us, and we are utterly dependent upon your grace. But Lord, we want to be being changed. So we ask that as we study your word, you would give us ears to hear your voice, eyes to see the truth, and hearts of faith that we might trust and obey, for we ask it in Jesus' name, amen. You would please open your Bibles to the book of James. We're in chapter 5. James chapter 5. We're going to be looking at verses 1 through 6. And this is God's Word. Now listen, you rich people. Weep and wail because of the misery that is coming upon you. Your wealth has rotted, and moths have eaten your clothes. Your gold and silver are corroded. Their corrosion will testify against you and eat your flesh like fire. You have hoarded wealth in the last days. Look, the wages you failed to pay the workmen who mowed your fields are crying out against you. The cries of the harvesters have reached the ears of the Lord Almighty. You have lived on earth in luxury and self-indulgence. You have fattened yourselves in the day of slaughter. You've condemned and murdered innocent men who were not opposing you. May God add his blessing to this reading from his holy and inspired word. Wow. It's not a happy meme. I mean, that's that's the kind of thing that calls for weeping and wailing. 
For whom? Well, for the rich. No. For rich people who oppress others and fail to pay their bills. Money is not the problem. The love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Paul writes that under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit in 1 Timothy 6. God willing, we'll look at that passage at greater length in just a moment. But I want you to see in these verses, James is not condemning everybody who has wealth. He's condemning people who hoard wealth. Where would he get such an idea? Well, last time we were looking at what James said, we looked at the way that it related to what Jesus said. And sure enough, he was reminding believers of what Jesus said. He's doing that here as well. Look at Matthew chapter 6, verse 19. Some of you have it memorized. The Sermon on the Mount. Matthew chapter 6, beginning in verse 19. Jesus said this, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moth and rust do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. The problem is, what do you love? Whom do you serve? If you are in love with money, you're going to serve money. And you will be destroyed. Because you cannot do that and serve God. America has cultivated in the last 75 years, largely with the contagion of certain forms of Christian, in quotes, broadcasting, we have cultivated a, a huge crop of people who teach that Christian faith is a road to riches. It's a way of getting financially prosperous if you will just follow these steps to make God give you the money. This is not just unbiblical, it is anti-biblical. The so-called health and wealth gospel is not good news, it is a lie. And so, if you put it up against the scriptures, what you see is not just it deviates from the scriptures, it contradicts the scriptures. 
Look at what Paul writes in 1 Timothy chapter 6. 1 Timothy chapter 6, beginning in verse 19. No, beginning in verse 3, I'm sorry. Matthew was 6.19, this is 1 Timothy 6, beginning in verse 3. If anyone teaches false doctrines and does not agree to the sound instruction of our Lord Jesus Christ and to godly teaching, he is conceited and understands nothing. He has an unhealthy interest in controversies and quarrels about words that result in envy, strife, malicious talk, evil suspicions, and constant friction between men of corrupt mind who have been robbed of the truth and who think that godliness is a means to financial gain. But godliness with contentment is great gain. For We brought nothing into the world and we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we'll be content with that. People who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge men into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some men, eager for money, wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. But you, man of God, flee from all this and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. Fight the good fight of the faith. Now look down at verse 17. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain but to put their hope in God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. James and Paul are echoing Jesus. Where are you going to store up treasure? If you try and store it up in this life, it's going to go bad on you. It's going to turn out poorly. That's why when James is speaking about these wealthy people, he says, your gold and silver are corroded. Their corrosion will testify against you and eat your flesh like fire because you hoarded wealth in the last days. What does it mean corroded? It means that Gunk is built up on it. It's deteriorating. Well, how does that happen? It does not happen to stuff that's in use. Moth and rust destroy, Jesus said. What do they destroy? I have had nice clothes get destroyed by moths. 
because I was just walking down the street wearing this nice woolen suit, and all of a sudden a flock of moths descended on me and started chewing up the stuff I was wearing, and I had to hurry home before I was naked. No, that's not what happens. Moths get the stuff that's in storage. I was invited to a meal with one of the wealthiest people in Georgia, and I kept thinking, what is, what is that smell? I'm trying to eat my food. I thought, it's coming from this person. Very, very wealthy, but something was wrong. It wasn't like somebody who needed a shower. It was like toxic cloud. It was horrible. And, and so I got through the meal okay, and hopefully I was polite. But afterwards, I asked the person who had arranged the meal, I said, is, is that lady in bad health? My friend said, no, I don't think so. And I said, well, could you not smell that awful smell? And she said, oh, yes, she had apparently just gotten that outfit out of mothballs. Oh. You see, if you want to preserve your woolens through the winter in a southern climate, you can put those, I'm sorry, if you want to preserve your woolens through the summer in a southern climate, which is about nine months out of the year. And, and you can then put those woolens into storage with something called mothballs. It is a chemical that repels the moths and keeps them from laying their eggs in your clothes, which is how your clothes get destroyed. It's not the adult moth that eats the fabric. It's the offspring that chew their way out. They eat your woolens. Little, tiny, new moths munching their way into adolescence. So if you put mothballs in with them, you can make it so that the moths just don't want to go there. And if you don't air it out before you wear it to dinner with other people, you're going to make it hard for them to eat their food. Okay? Now, is it okay to have some woolen clothes and, and you wear them during the cold months and, and then in the summer you put them in storage with mothballs? I would say as long as you don't have too many, yeah, that's okay. It's okay to have some stuff that is really warm in the winter. But folks, that is not generally how you end up losing things to moths. It's when you've got too many clothes to wear. And all winter, you wear this one and you wear this one and you wear this one, but those others, they just, they're there in case of the apocalypse. I've got some stuff like that, okay? It's not wool, but I, you know, I've got some extra heavy socks and all this because I picture myself like it was in 1993 when we had 
Snowmageddon here. And, uh, and, and I mean, we, we did not know when the storm would end. And, and I had to go out there, a much younger version of me had to go out there in the snow and try and make sure that the guys brought firewood in. <laughs> I didn't say I went out and got the firewood. I said I went out and made sure the guys brought the firewood in. But I'm thinking, you know, what's going to happen if I'm an old man up on the mountain and my wife and I are trapped in horrible weather with no utilities and the snow won't let up and nobody can get to us and I need to have some thick socks. Now, I'm not going to wear them until then, but I'll tell you this, they're not woolen. They're, I don't know, polar tech or something. I've got some things that I don't normally have to use, but I don't have a ton of them. I am not going to ask for a show of hands, but how many of you would say that you may have more shoes than you wear? Okay? Guys are just as guilty as girls. We had a ranch student who came and lived with us for a while. She showed up with so much luggage, and I thought, how is this possible? She had over a hundred pairs of shoes. Emilda Marcos would have been impressed. And only the old people know who Emilda Marcos was. But I'm, I'm telling you, if you have way more stuff than you can use, you need to start sharing that with others. Because if you're hoarding stuff, it's going to get eaten up, and the fact that it gets eaten up is going to testify against you in the judgment. Why'd you do that? Why are you holding on to that? Well, I'm just kind of sentimentally attached to it. My grandmother, whom I lived with from the time she was 90 years old, my dad and mom and I moved into my grandmother's house in Montreat. She was uh, an opera singer and had a magnificent soprano voice and, you know, written up a newspaper, sang at concerts, all this stuff. She was extremely talented. She had perfect pitch even in her 90s. She asked me to sing a song and I was singing it for her and she said, Jimmy, you're singing this word as if it were I don't remember now the, the notes. I, I think she said, you're singing that as if it was uh, a D. It should actually be a, uh, a C sharp. And I thought, I'm singing it the way I learned it. And she said, look at the sheet music. <sighs> oh, it is a C sharp. She could tell in her 90s, whether I was hitting the right note or just off a tad. I was singing it the way I learned it. I was singing it incorrectly. Now, she had a piano. It was right there. I can picture it. That's where I was standing by it when I was singing for her. And, and that piano was not a magnificent musical instrument, but it was hers. 
She'd had to downsize when they moved into the little house in Montreat. And so that was her piano. My mother would play that piano, and, uh, and I would sing, and grandmother would compliment us. And um, we had good times around that piano. And, and eventually my grandmother died, and, uh, and my aunt died, and the piano in the house belonged to my mom and dad. And so when my mom and dad had to come live with us, because they were needing to not be on their own any longer, the piano came with them, okay? But not up to our house. It was donated to the ranch. Actually, it went to my brother's house first, my doctor brother. It was at his house. And then, when they downsized, they donated it to the ranch. And it went to one of the houses at the ranch. But eventually, the ranch was given other pianos. Pianos that were actually better. And so it was given to one of my children. But when they moved, it needed to go to one of my other children. And so it went to another one of my children who, when he moved, gave it to another one of my children. Now, the piano is needing to be moved. Would any of you like my grandmother's old piano? Neither would anyone else in America, apparently. So what do you do with this old piano that's been moved around from house to house like a charity case? What do you do? What do you do? We told that offspring of ours, just do what you would with a wrecked car that no one wants to buy. I said, please don't turn it into a planter in your yard, okay? But don't hang on to it. But it was grandmother's piano. So what? She's dead. She's not going to miss it, okay? She's not up in heaven saying, oh, wait, wait, that was mine. Now, I'm telling you what I told them when they were wanting reassurance that it was really okay with us to give up grandmother's piano. I said, if you hike the Appalachian Trail, you will find along the trail all kinds of expensive new items that people bought before they went backpacking. Somebody convinced them this will really be a great thing to have on your hike. But as they go along, they're going to say, I would rather be without it because it's just weighing me down. You and I need to realize that if we try to hang on to stuff we don't need because we are in love with things, it'll end up weighing us down. I've said before, my, my home is furnished extensively in the belongings of dead people. As relatives died, they gave things to us. And it all has memories for me. I love all that stuff. But it's getting to the point where I've got to 
give more of it away. My wife is always saying, if there's anything here you don't want, let's get rid of it. My wife is often saying to me, honey, I hear you preach this very clearly. Let me just encourage you to follow through. Let's, let's get rid of a bunch of stuff. And we do get rid of a lot of stuff. And people keep giving us more. But I'll tell you this. If you're in love with the stuff, you're not in love with Jesus. The folks here in James 5, 1 through 6, who are being warned, are not Christians. They're not. They may hang out in the church, but they are not Christians because look at what he tells them. Weep and wail because of the misery that is coming upon you. Your wealth is rotted and moths have eaten your clothes. Your gold and silver are corroded. Their corrosion will testify against you and eat your flesh like fire. You've hoarded wealth in the last days. How? The wages you failed to pay the workmen who mowed your fields are crying out against you. You have not paid people what they were supposed to be paid. The cries of the harvesters have reached the ears of the Lord Almighty. You have lived on earth in luxury and self-indulgence. You have fattened yourselves in the day of slaughter. Uh, a friend of mine in real estate had a favorite expression, trying to help people price their homes. Pigs get fatter, hogs get slaughtered. Okay? If, if you just try and go along a little bit, you can be okay. But if you are determined to get it all, you're the one that's going to get slaughtered. And that's the description here. You think you're doing well because you're getting fat, but actually it's the fat ones that are going to get slaughtered. You have lived on earth in luxury and self-indulgence. You have fattened yourselves in the day of slaughter. You have condemned and murdered innocent men who were not opposing you. Why? Just for fun? No, to get their stuff. Do you remember Naboth's vineyard in the Old Testament? Ahab wanted it. He offered to buy it. The man wouldn't sell. And so Ahab the king went to bed and pouted. And his wife said, honey, what's wrong? And he said, Jezebel, that man Naboth won't sell me his vineyard. She said, oh, I'll get it for you. And she gave a dinner. And she had Naboth come and she bribed some men to slander him, to lie about him in a way that justified in the eyes of the public taking Naboth's life. They killed him. Killed him. Why? Because her husband wanted his vineyard. So Ahab got the vineyard. Jezebel came and said, it's all fixed. I took care of it for you. She ended up being eaten by dogs. 
one of the things that God especially was angered by was the taking of Naboth's vineyard. If you get what you get by doing others wrong, you will end up with a mouthful of gravel. You will end up under the wrath of God. This is not a description in verses 1 through 6 of Christian people. Jesus said, many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, didn't we prophesy in your name? And in your name work miracles. It is not wrong to have a high income. It is not wrong to have nice things. It is wrong to pursue earthly riches as the goal. It is wrong to engage in injustice in order to get what you want. The so-called health and wealth preachers have made a fortune for themselves. But you know, last I heard, none of them have taken in as, as much money adjusted for inflation as John Wesley did, founder of Methodism. He had so much income, people supporting him like crazy. The money came in, the money came in, the money came in, and he just got richer and richer, and no, he did not. He died a poor man. Why? Because he took what came in and he gave it away. He invested in the spread of the gospel. If you are able to make a million dollars a year in a manner that is honest and just, go for it. But if you think it's all for you, you have completely ignored what God says. If somebody gives me $1,000, my first thought is, wow, that's great. I've got three things I can spend this on. And then I have to stop and say, oh, what am I supposed to do with this? Sometimes God says, you can have one of those. But sometimes God says, well, you need to match that and give it here. Oh, okay. Why? Why is that hard? God's given us everything we have. We don't have anything that we didn't get from him. And I worked for this. With what? My mind. Where'd you get that mind? Well, I've, I've always had it. Uh, actually, God knit you together in your mother's womb. Your brain is something he gave you. Your muscles are something he gave you. The ability to do manual labor is something he gave you. Your athletic ability, your musical ability, whatever it is that you have, you got it from God. Therefore, you need to be careful to honor the Lord with all 
that you have. Well, so I still want to be sure I understand this. You're saying it's possible to be a wealthy person and not go to hell? Oh, yeah, definitely, definitely. But it's not possible to love money because you'll end up not loving God. Can I enjoy money? Yes. But you should cultivate not only contentment, you should cultivate generosity. If you have a problem with greed and covetousness, best cure for that is an exercise called giving. And what you'll find is, it's really fun. It's wonderful. Take what God has given you and say, Lord, where would you have me share this? How would you have me invest this? And you will find what so many testify to. And that is, you cannot outgive God. Just do what he tells you. Just do what he tells you. When I was a teenager, I kept a jar in my desk drawer. I put at least a tenth of whatever I made, mowing yards, babysitting, cleaning houses, all that stuff. I put at least a tenth of it in the jar, and I put a thing on the top, a little note to myself, from Malachi, saying, will a man rob God? Okay? And then I would pray, and I'd say, Lord, what do you want me to do with this? Where do you want me to invest this? And you know what God did? He'd show me. Whether it was supporting a missions organization, or whether, on one occasion, it was buying a box of Bibles and then giving them away to people who didn't have a Bible. You just do whatever he tells you. I've told you before that when I was about to go off to my junior year of college, I had to get rid of my car. And I couldn't sell it for what I had in it because I'd fixed up an older car. I gave it away, thinking I was doing something good because I gave it to a Christian organization. God in the years since has blessed me with so many cars one after another, after another, after another. Absolutely astounding. And they're all parked up at my house right now. No. One by one, they've all found other homes, just like that piano, until they were no longer tunable. What has God given you? He's given you time. He's given you talent. What are you going to do with it? Don't hoard it. Share it. Invest it. And you will be glad you did. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your amazing grace toward us. I pray that you would help us all, certainly including me, to practice what you say in your word to be a channel of blessing and not just a recipient. And we will give you all the praise in Jesus' name. Amen.